Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. Today we are joined by Calvin. Calvin is famously ex or current captain of Team Germany. We're not really sure, but he's not playing anymore. What he's doing <laughs> instead is being a German YouTube personality. If so, if you like competitive 40k content and you speak a bit of the German lingo, please check him out. Calvin and I will be going through the lists and results from the Southampton Super Major from the past weekend and comparing and contrasting these with the second biggest event of the weekend, the Frontline Gaming Rocky Mountain Open. We're going to take a look at the UK and the US metas and the players that topped the top 10. Calvin, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on this. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Calvin, you've been around the 40k scene for a long, long time. You've seen metas come and go. And this weekend, we had a meta in the UK that was dominated by Guard and Dark Angels with a few Space Wolves and uh, World Eaters sprinkled in there. Meanwhile, over in the States, on the other side of the pond, we saw Tau performing well, we saw Orcs performing well, and uh, Dark Angels not performing so well. So today we'd like to have a little chit-chat with you to build on your expertise about competitive uh, 40K and get your insight mm-hmm. into what these differences might mean and where they might be coming from. So... Without further ado, we'll touch on the top three of the Southampton Super Major, which was Guard, Dark Angels, and World Eaters, going 7-0, 6-1, and 5-1, and respectively. And the Frontline Gaming Rocky Mountain Open, where we had Orcs with 6-0 victory, Space World 6-0 second place, and Tau with a 5-1 third place. What are your thoughts on these, Gavin? So, um, Guard is finally unleashing some... Uh, power here and uh, creeping up the uh, win ratio slowly but steady. I think there was uh, quite a misunderstanding on what is correct to play, what's not, what will be FAQ'd and people were I think kind of holding back um, on what to bring to the table and also I think one of the biggest issues for guard is actually the table. So I don't know the tables for Southampton though um compared to the FLG in Rocky Mountain. But if Guard has a really, really closed um table and play against armies that deny everything, like uh the teleporting car skin or something, then they could really have a hard time getting blocked off with their tanks and all the all of that. Um other than that, I'm quite happy to see a really mixed meta up there. So this actually I think last weekend there were 16 GTs with 16 different factions. And now having these two big tournaments and seeing the top three differ uh, in all six uh, factions is quite exciting time to play 40k right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And one of the things that people talked about is sort of the Ark of Omen apocalypse, similar to the end of 7th, where we had basically bring what you like, 
Um, we're seeing a sit. Well, we had apprehensions that a similar thing might have been occurring in ninth edition, where people were taking anything they like, and it's going to be really unbalanced because whichever army happens to have the most optimized data slates are going to end up winning. Now, I think what's interesting is nowadays we have multiple balance mechanisms. Secondary missions being obviously the key new one, and where these have coincided with good data slates such as Dark Angel Terminators and Land Speeders. Obviously, they're a dominant force um but it's not as one-sided as the end of seventh was where we just had unari spiders and uh and bikes everywhere so you are a, a yeah that, that was we a horrible a... <laughs> well yes, horrible is a matter of perspective i i enjoy it very <laughs> yeah, much. yeah you're right you're right but yeah, yes i am a a world eaters players that's correct exactly yeah. and uh we had a world eaters player in our in our top three at southampton but um, his score, his five and one score, was the same as a World Eaters player at the Rocky Mountain Open. Just a very different uh, mm-hmm. ranking by the end of the event. Why don't you give us a little bit of your insight into, you know, what these differences in positioning in the tournament? You know, one of these guys has gone third place at a two hundred-ish player event, and one of these guys has finished, I guess, uh, lower end of the top ten in a hundred and forty-player event. So, what, what do you think the difference there might be? So if we take a look at the um, Southampton um, list from Ed Watts, um, he is playing without Angron or Angry Ron. Um, he's, of course, playing the Lord Avocado for the uh, pregame move. He's playing a lot of MSU. Uh, MSU. He's got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 Kornbezeker units. He's got four, 5 Exalted 8 bounds. His plan is rush, rush, rush. Just go for it. Kill the enemy. Um as fast as you can and there's all, always this thing when you play a new army you um, the opponent most likely doesn't know all your tricks um which just helps overall um on the um other side of the pond in in america calvin smith hello fellow p- name partner <laughs> Um, he also played Lord uh, Invocators, um, also lots of small units, but not as many Corn Berserkers as his fellow, and he opted to go for Terminators. I don't see Terminators right now being that efficient than 8-bound or even more Corn Berserkers, so I think it's just a little bit list-tweaking. We do see the same thing, which we will come in a minute to, um, with the Dark Angels, that um, just a small list tweaking makes actually the difference going top three or top 10 or top 15. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Dark Angels there, so let's jump straight onto it. We had Dark Angels with two four-one performances and obviously came in second place with Manny Chima piloting them with a six-and-one performance. Meanwhile, over the Rocky Mountain Open, they just had one Dark Angels player go in X-and-one and... One, and uh, Obviously, there's some key changes. People in the UK are, are able to plan a list very accurately around our terrain setups. So practice players like Manny, uh, Alex Petford, who was one of our Form 1 players, you know, these people are well-practiced at tailoring their lists to our format. What do you think the uh, list changes might have meant for the Dark Angel performance? And in particular, how do you think player place terrain from the US side of things might have either helped or hindered the Dark Angel performance this weekend? 
So the difference between a fixed layout and player place terrain is on a fixed layout, you can really plan how many units, especially for Dark Angels, will receive cover. So having your Terminators with a zero up armor is really, really good. And you can see the difference between Manny's list, who went second, as you mentioned, um, with 25 Terminators, um, and the other guy, which I don't have the name right now. He uh, went for 15 uh, Terminators, which is quite less than we play here in Germany. Right now, the peak is around 45 to 40 Terminators because we mainly play uh, WTC-style maps and we absolutely know, okay, there's so much cover. Terminators are really hard to remove. They score really, really well. And um, Money's List also contains these juicy attack bikes um uh nine attack bikes overall and a few land speeders to get these behind enemy lines or uh, engage points or whatever just these fast cheap units uh, maybe in uh put it in the middle for the oath of moment and um the other one for player place terrain is in the case you well it's it's basically a roll off and then you see this is going to be an open table or closed table. And if you're playing against a gun line like uh, Tau, um, for example, they will build the table so openly that it's really, really hard to get always cover and to deny the points or score the points yourself. Um, I think that's the biggest issue between these uh, two lists there. Hmm. Yes, and you know, obviously, terrain has been a hot point ever since LVO this weekend or this year. Uh, people wondering what frontline gaming are going to start doing with their terrain going forward. So it's interesting to see that they've basically just stuck with the LVO model uh, for the two events they've run since then. Uh, some other changes we've got in the top ten is we've got uh, looks like two GSC players in there. GSC famously had a very high mm -hmm. win rate the first couple of weeks of Arcs of Omen. Very easy to score, but still fundamentally a glass cannon. Why do you think that there's no GSCs in, in the Rocky Mountain Open, but we're seeing more of those in Europe? Is this something about player preference? You know, what, what do you think these differences might indicate? I really think um, the the physical barrier to obtain a complete GSC list isn't that easy. So you need like a hundred models. It's it's really a niche faction. Um, there are not really a lot of players who, you know, pilot them really well. They need uh, a lot of experience and um, being in a constant changing meta, GSC, is, they, they can adapt, but only to a certain amount. Um, their power output or damage output is limited, but their scoring potential uh, is just, skyrocketed with Arcs of Omen as well and all these um, free stuff that you can do like put uh, units in reserve for nothing and everything else that changed the meta where GC was uh, quite good in general um, still needs a lot of practice so I don't know that many good GC players that can you know hold up uh, a 5 or 6 or even 7 round event like um well, there would be Liam from, from Australia, who is a really, really good GC player. Um, in Germany, we have, we've got um, Flojo, who played uh, GC at the last 
uh, WGC. Um, also, Poland has got experience with GC, but I think it's a it's a meta driven army that just isn't taken by a lot of the good players. I mean, even yes. Art of Wars, I think only like Nick plays GC a little bit, but rather than that, I don't know. I think it's really a niche army. Yeah, and we will see this quite often, I think, where an army will have a unique mechanic that isn't replicated anywhere else in the game. And people that are sort of quick meta jumpers take so much more investment to get good at those armies where their fundamental performance is based around some sort of mechanic that isn't replicated elsewhere. That It's harder for them to sort of just switch over. So it's not just a model barrier to entry in terms of their really hard army to paint and get all the models for. It's also like fundamentally you have to learn a new part of 40k that doesn't exist elsewhere so um we have uh malik in the uk also playing gse malik obviously yes. used to be a very strong um regular player and uh since has gone to his hobby project which was gse and now they've obviously got good and he was one of our four and one players and his only loss was by like one or two points so very nearly a five and oh um let's take a little bit of a zoom out yeah, because obviously his, his list sorry, is ahead. actually really strong yeah, so his, his list is actually really strong playing this um, absolutely foot-slogging style without any uh, transports or stuff. So your opponent constantly has to take care of where are these GC popping up, uh, where they're just scoring ahead and um, multiple reviving units all over the board, the acolytes and, and stuff always coming back and the neophytes. And that's pretty rough to deal with. But as I said, you need to be an experienced player, and Malik is surely one of them. Yes, yeah, and he is still playing regularly, of course, so it's just not in the uh, in the guard or Dark Angel bandwagon anymore. So um, <laughs> if, if, if we now look ahead to you know what might happen in the future, obviously Orcs won the Rocky Mountain Open. However, they weren't in any of our X and 1 at the Southampton. So let's take a look at the event results over the course of the whole weekend throughout the entirety of, of Competitive 40k. And let's take a look at Orcs, Dark Angels, and Guard and try and take a, have a think about, you know, is this Orc performance a one-off? How does it compare and contrast to the more general Guard and Dark Angel performance and where we might think Orcs of Omen is going? So to take Dark Angels, they are currently sitting at a win rate of 50 six percent we have imperial guard or ashra militarum at 52 so slightly lower and that's with three tournament wins compared to seven tournament wins for dark angels and then when we go to orcs they are currently at a 53 percent with six tournament wins so according to the statistics so far orcs are better than guard calvin what's your reaction to that uh, I could shout for the warg, but I have no clue what's going on with orcs. <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm not an expert on orcs, though. Um, I, I, I do think that the the orc meta is having a bunch of attacks, like that they are playing goff, obviously, um, and with the removal of armor of contempt, which really was bad for orcs in close combat. Um, they can now excel there where they're good. They just swarm you. They're really, really fast. They have got good secondaries, but they weren't able to do the damage beforehand. So uh, before Arcs of, uh, Arcs of Omen, nearly every army could just tank away these orcs. Uh, but now, minus one coming to a big blow, 
um, they start rising again. And Orcs is one of the fundamental armies in 40k that in every edition there will be an Orc time. I mean, we had the time already with the 18 buggies. It wasn't really long, but it was there. And um, here and there were mixed lists with Orcs. They had no really sh good show at the WTC, which is a team event um, and, and doesn't represent singles that good. But still, it, it gives you kind of an idea that they still can counter armies or cannot. And at the time, last August around... They, they weren't a really good counterfeit for any other army out there. But right now, they can really deliver. With the removal of Sisters, of course, um, one of the best armies to trade units, um, they don't have to fear that many army as, uh, armies sorry, as long as the table is closed. So if it's an open table, an orc can still be removed by heavy shooting Hail of Doomless, Craft World, or like a Votan, um, they can deal with it. But in a closed table, mm. that's another story. Well, speaking of Hail of Doom, it's obviously um, not the top meta list anymore, but Eldari have got some interesting performance <laughs> statistics. They are at 61% win rate with zero tournament wins. Meanwhile, we see an army like Custodes with a 51% win rate, but six tournament wins. This is replicated up and down the um, statistics so far. For example, we have Craft Worlds sitting at flat at 50%, but with six tournament wins. So what we're seeing here is win rate and tournament wins not being closely correlated. If this data continues and if Games Workshop's approach to balancing the game via win rate percentages indicating outliers... What do you think this might mean for the future of Oxbowman? Um, so we have to really be careful to to adjust, or Games Workshop has to really be careful to adjust too fast. Um, here and there, they need a little a little bit tweaking in all of the armies across the board. Of course, that uh, for example, um, guard has to be tweaked with the secondaries. It's really weirdly worded um, that you have players questioning a lot if if boots on the ground and. and all of that stuff. How how does it work? And uh, some other interactions. Um, who can be in what army? What rules are breaking or whatnot? Like Abaddon demons and stuff. But in general, I think 40k is getting better and better and better over over the course of the time. We will always have this short amount of time where there are weird interactions and players get unhappy. But in general, Games Workshop is doing a pretty good job in balancing or making clear statements how the game is supposed to to function and coming back to the Eldari was actually the more surprising thing here is yes Eldari is sitting at the 61 percentage um 70 percent for the weekend only but there were only two players uh, so we have to we have to take that in consideration as well um surprisingly Inari is at the rise because Inari just sits at 68%. Uh, yes, they had only seven players, but still like more than triple the amount of the other Eldaris. And they can really use their speed and their fight-first ability and this and that to punish um, uh, the the mistakes your opponent makes. And that's one of the big strengths that the Inari have. Yes, and of course, Unari are sitting with four tournament wins. So clearly, a 
army that's able to excel in the hands of a well-practiced player. In the UK, we obviously have Ben Jones from Vanguard Tactics, who's been doing very well with them. And Ben actually won our Grundy Award this weekend for a player that you know sticks with one faction over and over again and maybe doesn't win. Ooh, congratulations! Yeah, unfortunately, he left before the award ceremony, so he wasn't able to collect it. But well done, Ben! If well, you're listening, screw him. Yeah. Um, all right, Calvin. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. If people want to learn a bit of German and follow some 40k content, where can they find you online? Yeah, they can just type into YouTube Kings of the Hill. And we also recently just uh, released a couple of English battle reports um, in collaboration with Art of War. So one of our uh, YouTubers, Adrian, um he went to the art of war house uh for a couple of days and he trained with them just before lvo and we recorded a couple of battle reports so you can enjoy them in english and in german as well interesting so we very much appreciate your time hopefully we'll get you on at some point again in the future to talk more about the differences in the meta across the world you have a vast amount of experience both on the continent and uh, hopefully we'll get you to the uk sometime soon so calvin thanks for coming on Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to What's Happening in 40K. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.